Hey, it was a wonderful day, great day, and I uh, hope you had a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's kind of strange. We have this uh, Roundup Sunday every single year in, on the second week of November, the fall. Time change. It's getting cooler. And every single time we have it, it's hot. How many of you noticed that? It's like, I don't, I don't, even, know, I don't even know where to go with that. But we had a great time. Next year, we're going to pray for rain, so it'll be nice. So uh, I guess... That would, be, that would be bad if it had rain, so we're glad that it was hot. But thank you for all that you did, and I had a great time. We had a great day in church, uh, so many visitors, a lot, <coughs> a lot of people coming back from Friend Day, and a great day on the buses. And so thank you for working hard and, and making it very, very first class and making it enjoyable, but not just for the visitors, but also for our own families. And so thank you for that. I will not go long. I know it's been a long day for many of you, and so... We won't go long today, but I want to just share a thought with you. Uh, the book of Jonah, <coughs> you could really <coughs> could preach out of Jonah um, for, for years. There's so much in every single chapter and all the different thoughts and different things that come your way. But I want to share with a, a, a just a basic thought with us this morning. As I was reading through it, I was thinking, uh, and we're going to go somewhere with this, a lot of problems that we have are when we don't deal very well with the basics, Right? Just, sometimes we're, we, we complicate everything and we're looking for, we're looking for a, 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 a complicated fix to something when there's probably something super easy or very basic, right? Remember when we first had moved back to Washington, my wife had a, um, she had a, a sewing machine and um, she sewed a little at that time uh, and, and, and it, it quit working. And so, you know, she looked at it and says, this thing's not working, can I take it to the to the, uh, it was a sewing place they fixed. It was over on Palo Verde. I probably shouldn't call them out, but that was years ago. Over on Palo Verde and, and, uh, and Atherton. So we took them there. And uh, she paid, and she paid a decent amount to get that thing fixed. And I thought, well, you know, it's a one-time thing. She's happy, yay. And about a week later, she's like, it quit working again. The exact same thing. <coughs> now, Robert, this time I thought, I'm looking at it, okay? We're not going to keep sending it back to this guy to fix it. I'm not a, I'm not a mechanic, but maybe there's something small. And I was, I was looking over the whole thing and couldn't get it to going, and, and there was this tiny little switch underneath it. And I just looked at the switch, and I, I flipped it. I'm like, that was the problem. She accidentally hit this little switch. But then the second thought came to me. That dude who fixed it knew that it was the switch, and he didn't tell us it was the switch, and he charged us anyhow. So I called him. I, I didn't call him brother, but I'm like, hey, you know, what's going on here? I'm like, you, did you know that the switch was the problem? You didn't think I'd figure this out? He goes, well, yeah, the switch was the problem. You had other things, and I did some work on it. I'm like, no, 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 we're not going there. And so he very kindly, after talking to him for a while on the phone, he decided to give me my money back. But, but it was a small little thing that was just right there in front of our face, and we couldn't figure it out. That's how life is, right? <coughs> we have all these little things going on, and sometimes there's a small little basic thing that we may not be following through on and we may not be looking at. And I want to show us <coughs> that from this story today. There are many stories in the Bible that are well known uh, among Christians. You know, 
<clears throat> the basic stories, the ones that children learn when they first get into Sunday school. And one of the most basic of basics is the story of Jonah and being swallowed by a great fish. The book's widely criticized because of the miraculous aspect of the story. But Jonah is backed up by Scripture. Um, of course, if it's mentioned, it's mentioned. Plus, Jonah is also mentioned as a prophet, a prophet who had a prophecy that came true in, the, in one of the books of, uh, I, think, I think it was 1 Kings. And if that's not enough for us, Jesus uh, alluded to the validity of the book of Jonah. And so the story is true. And it happened exactly like God said that it did. So we can see the story as we basically look through four chapters. <clears throat> In chapter 1, God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh uh, and to preach uh, against it because God said, I'm going to destroy it, but I want you to go there and give them that message. Jonah opts instead to go a different direction and decides that he'll head to Tarshish. That doesn't turn out very well for him, and he ends up getting thrown overboard and swallowed by a fish. We get to chapter 2. All of a sudden, Jonah's excited about praying. Of course, he's in the belly of the fish, and so he has a prayer meeting with God. And God, in, in, uh, uh, it's quite an amazing prayer, and God answers that. The fish goes to dry land and vomits Jonah out. By the way, he probably didn't look very good. Three days in the belly of a fish with digestive juices. Uh, he probably looked pretty horrific. And then he goes and preaches to people. I wonder what they thought. We might want to listen to this guy. He looks a little psycho, right? And that's probably why you guys come to church. But in chapter 3, God comes to Jonah a second time. He gets off and it's like, all right, here we go. The message hasn't changed. Go to Nineveh. And so Jonah <coughs> obeys. And he goes and tells them, in very simple terms, God's message. 40 days, Nineveh, you're going to be destroyed. See you later. And the amazing thing happens. The whole city repents. It starts with the, with, the, with the king. He's like, hey, we take this seriously. And everybody turns away. History tells us Nineveh was a very wicked, wicked, wicked city. They were very wicked, especially in, in war, how they treated their enemies whom they would defeat. They were not very, very good to them. The thing that amazes me, though, about the book of Jonah is not the things we would think of, right? <clears throat> we think of the fact that, wow, someone was actually swallowed by a fish. Someone actually survived being swallowed by a fish for three days. God then vomits on the land, and then he gets a second chance. And now he goes and gives a message. And everybody in that city responds to the message. Think about it. What if we had, like, uh, we had a big tent revival and the whole city of Long Beach came? I don't think there's a tent that big. And everybody in the city of Long Beach hears the message and turns to God. That'd be an amazing thing. That's not what amazes me, though. Here's what amazes me and baffles me. How Jonah, how Jonah responded to the whole thing. I don't get it. Chapter 4 is extremely confusing. Here's how Jonah responds to the revival. Look at chapter 4 and verse 3. <clears throat> now therefore, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. He says, I want out. Then God asked him in verse 4, then said the, then, then said the Lord, doest thou well 
to be angry? God says, do you think you have a right to be angry about what just happened? Jonah goes on and gets worse. What happens is Jonah sticks around and goes to a, a little hilltop area so he can oversee the city, and he's looking to see what God would do. But you know what he wanted God to do? He wanted God to destroy them. He wasn't there waiting to see how it played out. He was there hoping that they didn't fulfill what they had said, and God takes them out. And as he's there and it's hot, he tries to build a little booth to protect himself. God miraculously uh, grows this plant that covers him and gets him shade. And then the next morning, God kills the plant. And Jonah's upset and angry because the plant died and he basically is blaming God for it. And here's what God says to him in verse 9. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? Because it came up in a day miraculously, and then God killed it. And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Now, I don't know about you, that's irrational. You ever notice how people can be irrational when, you, when, when their beliefs are challenged? What they want and what they harbor in their right is, con what they harbor in their heart is confronted? They can be extremely irrational. That's why what's, what goes on in our world does not surprise me at all because people are irrational. And so here he is being irrational. <clears throat> then the Lord tries to teach him a lesson. Then, verse 10, look what he says. Then said the Lord, thou hast pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. He said, you had nothing to do with this. You didn't work, you didn't plant it, you didn't make it grow. I made it grow, in essence, is what he was saying by inference. It came up in the night and perished in the night, verse 11. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle? You see, the, you see the illustration he's trying to get to him? Because Jonah's problem is he did not want God to spare them. And he says, you had more pity on a plant than on people. I don't know. That's, thought just came, that's, that sounds like our society. Can't plant that here. There's a rat that lives here. Right? It's amazing. People that are pro-abortion are pro-animal rights. They're more concerned if a cat gets killed, and I'm not abdicating any type, no, I'm not abdicating any type of harm to cats. I just, I don't like them, and they can go their way, I'll go my way, and we'll just be happy with each other. But they're more concerned with a cat than they would be somebody who would abort a baby. A doctor that would kill an unborn child. Remember years ago at the old church building, someone ran over a dog, and, it was, and the dog was sitting there, and the dog was in serious pain. The dog wasn't going to survive, and the person just took off, and they shouldn't have taken off. Um, and someone was there trying to help the dog, but I'll never forget what this lady said. She said something very horrific about the guy who hit him. He should be killed. Probably, and I'm not guessing, but the majority of people, they, but they'd be okay with abortion. And I'm not saying you should kill dogs. Dogs are way better than cats anyhow, by the way. Okay? But we're irrational about things. Okay, it's not wrong to care about animals and things like that. I'm not saying that. But, but he was so irrational. And, the, and here's the thing that really 
bothers me. That's the end of the book. It's like, boom, ta-da, the end, directed by. I'm like, did Jonah ever get it? Did he ever understand God's heart? God's like, I know this is a wicked country. And by the way, they didn't really like uh, Israelites. I don't know, kind of like the rest of our world that's going nuts. Well, that didn't go over very well. But anyhow, uh, and, and, and God's like, they don't know the difference between right and wrong. That's why I sent you. And you're upset that they repented? You're upset that they came to me? What was Jonah's problem? He had an attitude the whole time, by the way. And you see it. I mean, here was his message. No special music, no tent evangelist, no nothing, no offering. Here's his message. 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Thank you for coming. That was it. No heart, no compassion. Jonah had an issue the whole time. Why did Jonah have an issue? Because he was struggling with his faith. He was struggling with God. He was struggling <coughs> towards others. And as I looked at this, at this book, I'm like, well, there has to be something that caused this. And if I look at the chapters, I see he struggled with the very basics of Christian faith. And if you struggle with the very basics of Christian faith, you're going to struggle with all of it. So let's see. What were his struggles? Let me give you some. First of all, in chapter 1, he struggled with the word of God. Here it is. Go to chapter 1. It's very easy. It's like four chapters. It's right there. It says verse 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Now if you read 1 Kings, that's not the first time Jonah had given God's message out, right? And God gives him a message, like, here you go. This is your next assignment. This is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. But the fact of the matter is, it was God's word. God spoke directly to him, and he had no choice but to obey it. And you know what? He didn't. If you want to have a, a spiritual barometer or measuring stick for your life, here it is. How's your response to the word of God? We know what happened to Jonah. And we know that it started in verse 1 when he didn't listen to God. But we need to look at it from our lives as well. How do we respond to the things that God says? Uh, is it easy for us to casually disobey the things that God says? It doesn't even bother us. That's a barometer. And by the way, that's just a baseline basic foundation for the Christian, right? You know, if I'm saved, I've obeyed God by trusting Christ for salvation. I believe the Bible is true. And we, we say all these tenets of the faith that we believe, and let's just go to the basic. If God says it, are we willing to say, that's what I need to do? That's what I need to do. We don't always understand it. I get it. <clears throat> Far too many Christians have a wrong view of the word of God. They believe that, you know, I have a Bible, I carry it, I believe it's true. Maybe I occasionally uh, read it, but without obedience, none of it's any good. None of it is any good. You ladies, if you bake something, you know, how many, well, 
probably my mother-in-law would, but she's been baking for years. But, you know, you would follow the recipe. You would follow the directions. Unless you're a super master baker and it's all up here, right? And you already understand it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't. Try doing it and forgetting an ingredient. Try doing it and forgetting a step, right? Uh, something simple like preheating the oven. You, you cook it for 10 minutes, but you didn't preheat the oven, and it's not going to be done. But this, the foundational bit, we just feel like, I don't have to follow it, and it doesn't work very well. Jonah's issues really thought. He thought God's word was op- optional. Verse 3, he says, Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Well, wait a minute, that wasn't an option. God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah's like, found another boat, go in a different direction. I think I'll go that direction. Why would he do that? Because he felt like he did not have to answer or listen to God. He needs to, but we all need to do that. A lot of times we do that because we feel we have legitimate excuses. And by the way, Jonah could have given excuses. <coughs> I mean, he was going for God, but the fact of the matter is, if you think about it from a strictly um, fleshly mindset, his life was on the line. These were not people that were very receptive naturally to, uh, to, to foreigners, particularly Jewish individuals. They were not known for their kindness to mankind. But it doesn't matter. God told him to do it. What excuse do we use to make the word of God optional? Well, you know, there's this, this person that's doing this, and, and I just can't focus. Well, I have this problem, and this problem is keeping me from doing the things that I should be doing. I'm feeling pressure from other people not to do those, those, those type of things. None of those are legitimate. If God says do it, we just step up and say, that's the option, and that's the one I'm going to take. Just because you have it, and, and by the way, you say, well, I can choose not to listen. That's called rebellion, and that's an option. But God says the real option is uh, 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 obedience. That's what he wants from us, you know, why, does God, why doesn't God force us sometimes? Because God wants you to choose obedience. And so often we choose not to. Most believers, to be honest like this, and I hope you'll take it in the spirit which is given, we're like the pro-abortion crowd. We're just pro, we're, we're, we're the spiritual, like, you know, my life, my choice. It ought to be my life, his choice. I mean, we're not just talking about another person here, right? Yeah, how many have ever got advice from somebody that was bad? It's like, okay, thank you for that, okay? Uh, God never gives bad advice, amen? God gives it to us, and it's always good. Jonah thought, this is amazing to me, he thought it was avoidable. Let's finish verse 3. Why did he go to Tarshish? Verse 3, it just boggles my mind. From the presence of the Lord. He thought by getting on that ship and disobeying God and going a different direction, he was escaping God's presence. You can't escape God's presence. But I do like the fact that he was equating God's word to God's presence. And if I don't listen to God's word and I go a different direction, I can get away from God. Can I just tell you something? You can never get away from God. God is everywhere. So I'm going to go over there. He's waiting. He's not only waiting, he's where you left, he's where you're waiting, and he's with you in the journey. You can't get away from God. God wants us to be there. Think of Adam and, okay, see, we read the story of Adam and Eve and we kind of chuckle, right? (coughs) So, (coughs) don't eat the fruit. So what do they do? 
Eve first, you can make any inferences from that what you want. Eve first ate the fruit. She gives it to Adam. Eve was deceived. Adam just did it because he, he like, okay, I guess I'll rebel. And they both eat the food, and then they're like, we're naked. We don't have clothes on. Well, they were innocent up until that time. So now they make clothes, and here's the funny thing. God comes to talk to them, and you know what they think? Now this, let's hide. They're the first two people. They know what it means to be created because they were created. And they thought they could hide from God. You say, how silly is that? We do that all the time. We just do it in more sophisticated terms. And so let's be very, very careful. Whenever we're trying to avoid the commands of God, we're really trying to avoid the presence of God. That's not really good. And then he thought, <coughs> he, he, he wasn't accountable for it. In verse 9, he's, he's starting to get the concept as he's in the boat with the mariners and it's, it's getting bad. In verse 9, he says, Then said he unto them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and dry land. Now, I believe that he believed that in his heart, but he didn't act like it. Because the fear of the Lord is basically understanding that that God knows everything I'm doing, he knows everything I'm thinking, he knows all of my actions, my thoughts, all of that, and that I am accountable to him for that. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And yet he thought he could get away from God, and he wouldn't be held accountable for it. But he didn't see that. You know, the funny thing is, the mariners showed more of a fear of the Lord than, than he did, and they worshiped false gods. They had more compassion than Jonah. Jonah came to him and said, look, um, it's me. I'm running from God. That's the reason there's a, I would have said, hey, you grab his legs, I'll grab his hands, and one, two, three, over he goes. And Jonah consented to that. But these mariners had enough compassion, even after Jonah told them that, they still tried to row the boat. They didn't want to throw him overboard. Now, finally, somebody had the guts to say, hey, this isn't working. Just, you know, he said it was okay. They chucked him overboard. But you have to understand there are consequences to disobedience. And, I'm in, and <clears throat> when you say that, we sometimes get the mentality that God's looking down from heaven and he's looking for an opportunity to crush us if we do wrong, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. That's not how God is. Fact of the matter is, most of the, most of the consequences, the negative consequences of disobeying God's word are simply, simply come from the disobedience itself, in other words, the things that we're doing in disobedience naturally bring consequences. God gave us that so we can avoid those consequences. God doesn't necessarily even get involved. But when we live like there's no consequences, we do what we want. How many of you notice, you know that crime's getting worse and worse, right? Why? Well, I mean, look, you, you can barely get arrested for anything. There's a guy that tried, I think it was in Belmont Shore, tried to, tried to sexually assault a girl in broad daylight on the streets. People stopped him. He was out on bail a couple days later. Well, of course. If, if there's no consequence, people do as they please. God's trying to keep us from the consequence when we obey him. But we got to hasten. Number two, he didn't just struggle with the word of God. He struggled with words to God. In verse 2, that's a chapter of prayer. And when, 
we have a problem with God's word, we'll also have a problem with prayer. Now he's finally going to speak to God. And when's he going to do it? When he's right in the midst of living in the belly of the fish. Now, give him credit, he did pray, right? Sometimes maybe you're not praying and there's a problem, still go to God, but the best thing is to go to God ahead of time. We talked about that last week. I'm not even going to spend a lot of time on this point. But we have to get away from some of the mistakes here. Don't think that prayer is only for emergencies. Verse 1 of chapter 2, Then Jonah prays unto the Lord out of the fish's belly. Right? Now he's going to get a hold of God. What's the old saying in war? There are no atheists in foxholes. Jonah should have thought about that a long time ago. Fact of the matter is, <coughs> here's a thought. If he had a problem with what God wanted him to do, he could have prayed about that. I'm not saying we should question God, right? But we are human. Like, God, this is what you want me to do. I'm in on that. But, but Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with this. God, God's okay with that, by the way. God's okay when you struggle with things, as long as you are honest with him about it, <clears throat> and you're still willing to do what he tells you to do, right? You can't, we, we don't have to be these super Christians, like, God said it, and I know I'm going to get my head cut off. Let's go! Okay, that's silly. You can let God know your struggles. You can let God know your fears. He's okay with that. But when we keep them to ourselves, then we make bad decisions, and so we talked about prayer all last Sunday night, and I'm not, I'm not going to uh, be- belabor that point. You understand it. But then chapter 3, <coughs> Jonah, now st- he struggles with the will of God, with the will of God. We talk much about the will of God. <coughs> the will of that God is that which God wants specifically in our lives. And so there's two aspects to that, right? It's, it's scriptural, and it's also situational. In other words, when, I, when I'm thinking about what God wants me to do, anything the Bible says I'm supposed to do is God's will. No questions asked. It is. But you know, the will of God is also situational. In other words, there are, or I should say specific. In other words, there are certain things in your life that God wants from you he may not want for others. Uh, you know, the person you're going to marry, the, the career you have, where you live, these type of things, what you're doing. God will lead you as long as you're following his will and you'll get to those spots. But you have to understand, you can't struggle with what God wants you to do. You can't have a, a pick and choose mentality. Many people are like that. You see, what happened to Jonah as soon as he was put back on the dry land by the fish he didn't say, okay, God, what's, what's the next assignment? There was no next assignment. He had to fulfill the first assignment. And as soon as he gets back on board here, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach un, uh, un, unto it the preaching that I bid thee. You notice the, the similarity? It's the exact same thing he said in chapter 1. He says, now, Jonah, are you ready? I'm not, just because you didn't like it, just because you ran away from me, the job is still the same. It's time for you to get going. 
And that was Jonah's real struggle in this. He did not buy into God's will. He did not want to go to Divina. He did not want to preach to those people. He did not want to do what God wanted him to do. In fact, his attitude was so he wanted them to perish. He did not agree with what God was doing. That's a struggle with God's will. Now be very careful because I know a lot of us struggle with God's will. We do. You want me to be... I can be real honest with you. <laughs> Some of you parents, you, the last thing you would want for your kid is to serve God. And I, no, they can come to church, pastor. They can work on a bus. No, I'm talking, I'm talking about that's their vocation. Well, you know, this, this one needs to be a doctor. Let me help you with that. I've seen their grades. Okay, they're not going to be a doctor. You know, I want them to be a lawyer. It's like, come on. Don't you want your kids to be honest? Kidding. But see, we try to push what we want on our children. And I'm not saying everybody's child needs to be a pastor, although that wouldn't hurt. I'm not saying that. You know what they need to do? They need to do exactly what God wants them to do. That very thing that God's created them for. And God will lay that out for them, but let's not, let's not, let's not, let's not pick at that. Right? I literally, in the early days of our church, we're, we're reaching all these kids, and uh, <coughs> we had these gang kids we were reaching, and, and the parents and the family would come to church, and they had kids that were in the gangs. I remember one lady came up to me, and she pointed to this kid that was in the gang that God started working his life. He goes, he can serve God. That one? And they pointed to the one that was never in trouble. They can't. They good. Like they, they should have used a verb there. They, they're good. You, you, you know, just because this one gets straight A's, has never run away from home, I don't, don't we want all of them to serve God? Don't we want all of them to find <coughs> that thing that God wants for them? And you kids like, oh yeah, that's good, I know, because you're picking your own career as well. Well, my friend said that if I got a degree in this, it'd be great for me. I know. And like the 80% who graduate from college and get a job doing something completely different. They listen to friends. They listen to pressure. Well, if I get this job, I can make a lot of money. <coughs> and I'm not against you making a lot of money. Okay? If that's, if, look, if God puts you in a job, be the best person you can be in that job. Because that's a Christian value too, by the way. But if you avoid one job, if you avoid serving God because you'd rather make a ton of money over here and you don't think God can take care of you, you may make a ton of money, but if God had for you to do this job over here, you will be miserable. See, we have this thing, God's going to, you know, well, if I offered my life to God, he would make me a missionary to Antarctica. Let me, let me help you with that. God won't do that because nobody lives in Antarctica. Okay. We always, why do we always think, you know, if I marry the person God wants me to marry, he's going to have me marry somebody I don't like. Like, no, 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 the not liking part comes after you're married. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Okay. You know, people sometimes, I really don't want to get on this, but sometimes people, you know, they'll, they'll up and just move their family somewhere. <coughs> and by the way, God does that sometimes. Well, you know, if I move to, I always pick on it, Wichita. I can get a big house. They're, uh, Wichita's probably not, right? <coughs> They're politically conservative. They're tax, they don't have state taxes. Um, their politics is better. 
their governor isn't, you know, the guy in Sacramento. You know how you can tell when that's wrong? Because here's a question I get sometimes. It hasn't been recently. Do you know of a good church in that area? That should be the first thing on the list. So God's not going to move. It's like we're just making, and you move to these places, and there's nothing good going on, and your children get caught up in all this nonsense. Why don't we just, Lord, where do you want me? And by the way, if you have some, some spirituality here, California's a needy place. It is. And you know what? Churches in California are doing pretty good. You know what that tells me? People are kind of open. And they need Christians that are going to serve. But we're going to move because, I, look, can I just tell you something? And, I, and I'm, this isn't political. Um, I, I, I'm about as on board with our governor as I am with eating fish and at McDonald's in a Ford, okay, with a Raiders jersey on. I can't think of any. I can't. I don't hate the man. You know, we pray for our leaders, right? Now, it's not specific what you're supposed to pray for. There's a gray area there. I pray that God works in his life as he's not the governor. But uh, I'm just kidding. But, but I'm not going to make a decision based on the fact that I don't like my governor. <coughs> and I don't, when I say that, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't like his politics. Because a lot of them aren't politics, it's, it's morality. And that's my issue. But, but I'm not going to up and, 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 and you know, just, I, the whole thing is, look, look at every little trinket of your life. And just, like, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to be? What, what's going on here? And just follow it. Jonah had a very, very big problem with that. He, he was delusional with God's will. And then even when he did God's will, and here's where we get some of our times as Christians, look at verse 3 of chapter 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. <coughs> now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Okay, this is great. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. You know what we call that? Motivation. It was a three-day journey, but when he got out of the fish, he goes, man, I think I can get there in a day. Okay? Uh, God wanted him there. And he's, he, you know, he was, I don't know what's going on, but he, he put it on speed dial. But... And cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was about as uncompassionate a message as you could ever hear. You, I'm sorry. You know what it was? God said I had to do it, and so I'm going to do it. And he had, no, he, had, he had no heart in it. Right? That ever happened in your life? You just do what you know God wants you to do, but you've got no heart. It's just mechanical. This is what I'm supposed to Look, if it, you're doing things out of, of a mechanical mindset, what will eventually happen is that gets old really fast. And typically, it's the result of a fact that we do not have a strong relationship with God. Right? Why was it mechanical? And we tell you all over and over, what do you mean a relationship with God? Spend time in the Word of God, spend time praying to God. Oh, wait, that was chapter 1 and chapter 2. And so we substitute the mechanics of Christianity for the relationship of Christianity. And brethren, that's not a good place to be. What if you lived in a family and mom, dad, children, we all did the responsibilities we're supposed to do, but there's no relationship. You just go in, dinner on the table, eat, boom, wash your dishes, you do your job, go do this. No one's talking to each other. Nobody loves each other. That'd be, that'd be kind of bad. But yet that's how we serve God. So let's not get mechanical. 
Let's make sure we're not just going through the motions. And by the way, I will say this. <coughs> Sometimes when our hearts do get cold, and it happens to everybody, that doesn't mean you stop doing those things. Well, you know, I can't do that this morning. I'm not going to read my Bible because I feel like it'd be mechanical. Look, get a cup of coffee. Read the Bible anyhow because you know how you get over that? You do what you're supposed to do. But you look to the Lord for that. You're like, Lord, I'm a little cold this morning. And Lord, I'm just, I feel a little distant from you, Lord. And I don't want that. I want you to help me draw back to you. And you get in the word of God and it'll come back. Don't worry. But I know this, it won't come back if you don't do it. We get mechanical in our church attendance. I'm here, you know, sing page 412. Uh, you know, you sing it. I'm not going to sing. I can't. Okay, and I don't want to make you cry. You know, we don't think about the words. You ever stop and hear a song and like, ooh, that's good. Oh, that truth? Oh, yeah, bring it on. Okay? That, that helps our heart. Sometimes, yes, I get it. But lastly, <coughs> and this is where Jonah's problem was, and I'll just be honest with you, I don't know. When I get to heaven, I'll ask him. Um, I don't know if Jonah ever got right. I, 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 in this area, I wonder. Well, maybe he did. I'll be, I'll be optimistic. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be optimistic. But you know what he struggled with? He struggled with the ways of God. Look, we didn't. Re- I, I purposely did not read <coughs> the first two verses of chapter 4. Go, go to chapter 3 and verse 10, and then we'll, we'll read that, and then verses 1 and 2. And God saw their works, and they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he said he had, would do unto them, and he did it not. I don't know about you, but as a pastor, I like when people come to church and meet Christ. I do. I like, I told you, I don't know if I told you, you know, a guy came up to me, friend day. Uh, he came up to me, I, my first day here, I'm like, great. He goes, I got saved. And then, boom, bear hug. Said, I'm so glad I came. I'm like, oh, I'm glad you came too. I like that. I like when someone raises their hands, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Because many years ago in his church service, that was me. And I'm excited when God works in their life. And I'm excited when people came back like, hey, we're back today. Hey, man, I saw you last week. Thanks for being here. Man, loved it. We're coming back. That excites me. When people come and say, man, uh, can I get a Bible? I want to read my Bible. Do you you guys sell Bibles here? That excites me. When people are like, hey, what time? Where's your tithing envelopes? That really excites me. Okay. When when they come back or, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to share the gospel with our city. Can I go? Yeah. Hey, I got in the choir. That excites me. Unless it's, you sing like me, then maybe not. But the point is, I'm excited when people take spiritual steps. And Jonah was a prophet. That was his job. So how did he, re, 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 uh, how did he um, respond? By the way, the chapter <coughs> divisions are not necessarily inspired, right? That was added later on, and I like them. It helps. But verse 10, verse 1 of cha- Jonah chapter 4 comes right after verse 10 of Jonah chapter 3, they go together. Are you with me? Revival, everybody's getting saved, verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Okay? Not only was he displeased, and he was very angry. You know what? I did not have any church member, Joseph, come to me last week and say, you know what, pastor? I am really mad. You had all these visitors at church. 
You had those people getting baptized. I am super mad about that. I am not happy. I didn't have anybody say that. Right? Jonah's mad that God worked in their midst. You know why? He did not like God's ways. And look what he got mad about. He is, he is being totally unreasonable. We're finishing up here. <clears throat> look at verse 2. And he prayed unto the Lord <clears throat> and said, <clears throat> I pray thee, O God, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? He goes, here's what I used to say before you sent me on this trip. Therefore, I fled, I fled before unto Tarshish. I, that's why I disobeyed you. Here's why. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. In other words, if we change, God's willing to change the outcome for us. Okay? I don't get this. Fact of the matter is, if you want to preach a message on why is God so good, you could use this. Number one, God's grace. Number two, God's mercy, God's patience, God's kindness, God's ability to allow us to change. Those are all good things. But you know what? They made Jonah mad. I don't get it. You know why? Because he was not on board with what God wanted to do. He had his own plan for things. He, he had, this is how it should turn out, God. And I want it to turn out this way. And I'm mad that you chose to have it turn out another day. By the way, by the way it sounds, out, sounds to me that he was bitter. Whenever we don't want something good for somebody else, it's because we're bitter. We have unresolved issues in our life, unresolved feelings towards another person. And by the way, when you, when you get like that, it's going to affect every single one of your relationships. I have said, if you have ill will towards somebody, I would forgive them just for your sake, not even necessarily theirs. Now, that's not even a Christian concept. I'm just throwing, I'm trying to explain how important it is, right? If I had a problem with Reuben, I would just say, I'm going I'm to get it settled with Reuben, not for his sake. I just don't want to be bitter, Right? Because I have a problem with Reuben, he's sleeping at night. They, you know, and I'm at my house like, well, what do you do? The Christian, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to get it settled with him. I don't want to be bitter towards him. I don't, and, and if I'm bitter towards him, you know what's going to happen? I become a bitter person. And now I'm bitter towards him. Well, that would be easy. Uh, I'm bitter towards him, him, him. Because I'm becoming a bitter person. And he got to the point where he was upset that people would come to God. He's upset because God's gracious, mercy, patient, and kind. The ways of God. I love that verse in Isaiah. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're higher than we can ever. We can't even comprehend what God comprehends. We can't even, we can't even wrap our minds around what God knows, what God is planning, what God is doing. So I'll tell you what, why don't we let him be God? Take that off your plate because you don't need to be God. And it caused him 
to not change. Here's a basic when it comes to the ways of God, and we're done. The love of God. God tells us we're to love each other. God tells us <coughs> if we have hatred in our heart towards somebody, that we can't even love God. Because the two are so interconnected. And so what's the point? I hope Jonah got it right and God just didn't need to put it in the Bible, but I, I wonder. But you know what he struggled with? He struggled with some very basic things. He struggled with the word of God. He struggled with his words to God, his prayer life. He struggled with the will of God, what God wanted him specifically to do. And he struggled with the ways of God, the way God wanted things to run because it doesn't line up with him. And so what's the point? If we struggle in these very basic areas, we're going to struggle in every area of our life. I'm just going to tell you. But the good thing is, if we can get these things lined up, all the things in our life just have a tendency to go better. Not saying that you don't have to deal with things. We all do. But things will go better if we just follow the basics. Let's, let's stand together, if we may, for just a minute. Think about what Jonah... <coughs> apparently did not get. If we can bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute. Let me ask you a question. Are you struggling in any of these areas in your life? How's your relationship to the word of God? Do you see it as something that is specific for me that God demands of me to follow? Or do you like, well, if I agree with it, I'll do it. Oh, I disagree with that one? I'm out on that. How's your prayer life? Do you struggle with things? And, and worse than struggling with things, because we all struggle with things. Don't, don't even get wrong, you know. But do we struggle to bring those things to God? That's where the issue is. Do we struggle with, with God's will? Are you trying to figure out your life for yourself? And if God came to you like he came to Jonah and said, the word of the Lord comes to you, here's what I want you to do. Would you be okay with it regardless of what it is? Are you struggling with the ways of God? You don't like the way things are working out. You don't like the situations that are coming your way. But God knows, and he can work in those situations. Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you tonight, why don't you come? Why don't you come? The basics. The basics.